On today's episode, what does it take to truly manifest your dreams? My first guest made her childhood dream of becoming an actress come true in her late 30s. I remember um, walking on set and there was a star on the trailer with my name on it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be able to deliver this one line, right? And it's just, you just have <laughs> one line. And I was like, mama, I made it. I made it, you know. You're like, I got this one line, but they gave me a star. Oh, I got my own room. Oh my, oh, my God. Yeah. oh my gosh. It was everything. It was just wonderful. And so you just have this moment of it happened. Like I dreamt it. I prepared for it. I'm doing it. Angela Davis is not only doing it, she's now training other aspiring actors and has some words of wisdom for us all. And on the Coach's Corner, we're talking about courage over fear. I want you to understand the greatness on the inside of you is something you need to manifest to the world. Somebody is waiting on you to walk in all your brilliance. Somebody is waiting on you to be courageous enough to say, here I am. Hey, I'm ready. Yes. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm here to serve. I'm here to impact. I'm here to make my mark. Welcome to the Joy Sutton Show, where it's all about joyful conversations to inspire your life. When you show up in the world as the best version of yourself, you give other women the inspiration, courage, and permission to do the I same. It's my time to take care of me. What made you think you could do it in your 50s? You know, I didn't think I could do it, to be honest with you. I was scared to death. We are all on our own journeys, but we can do this together. And there's something powerful about sharing our stories and the wisdom we've learned along the way. So let's dive into today's conversation and get to living our best lives. You have to step out on faith. You have to take the first step and go for it. Have you ever wondered if your childhood dream was still possible for you? I certainly do. And talking with my best friend, Angela Davis, is a reminder that it's not too late to go after those desires in your heart. In her late 30s, she left her well-paying job to pursue a full-time acting career. She's had roles in a number of popular movies, including Iron Man 3, Creed, and The Accountant. You may also remember her as Lady Eloise on the hit TV show, P-Valley, or as Auntie Chantel on Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. She's also been the voice for commercials on almost every major brand. Angela also serves as an onset acting coach for TV shows. And through her own business called Act Her, she motivates, inspires, and trains actors for TV and film. Listen in to the conversation. When I think of someone who inspires me, her journey to doing what she does is like, Amazing. So much so that sometimes I go, how does she get there? Because to watch someone go through this journey and to see them have a dream, but not only have a dream, but achieve the dream is nothing short of just inspirational and life changing it for me and just having her as my friend. So God is good in the women that he has surrounds you with. Are you crying? I'm crying. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> So my friend is just already in us getting into this conversation because she's just amazing just to see all that she has done and achieved. Like I said, it's just, I'm so proud of you, but I'm so proud of what you've achieved. And I wanted women to hear your story because there are a lot of women out there who have reached a point in their life where they realize that there's something greater ahead for them, but they don't know how to get there. They don't know if it's possible for them. And I think your your story shows that 
what can seem impossible is possible if you believe. So welcome Angela Davis to the show. She's crying. Y'all can't see her, but I can see her on video. <laughs> oh gosh. You know, thank you, dear Joy, because that's what I call you. Thank you, Joy Sutton. <laughs> it's so funny um, listening to you give that intro. And what makes me cry are several things. One, because we've had a friendship now well over 30 years. I met Joy when I was 12, 13. Yes, at a club, y'all. At, at a, a nightclub. <laughs> on stage dancing. What is going on? Teen dance club back in the day. Teen dance club back in the day. But also really kind of taking stock and taking a moment to really think back. Because there are very few people who, in my life, and I think this represents for most of us, who are a part of that inner, inner circle, who know things about you that the rest of the world just doesn't. And not only know, but you were privy to, had a front seat to, got a chance to see some of the darkest moments of my life. And so to hear you talk about you being impressed and inspired, it is just awe-inspiring because it makes me go back and reflect, but also realize how good God really has been. So it really is tears of joy and gratitude to really be here because I think people see the highlight reel, but nobody ever sees the behind the scenes. Exactly. And we've been privileged to see <laughs> the behind the scenes of my life and it hasn't always looked good. So I'm just grateful and blessed. And so I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, you know, when I think about what you said that's so good is because even in seeing your behind the scenes reel, I remember when you told me and another one of our close friends that you were quitting your job and you were going after your acting career. And in our mind, she calls me, I'm calling her. We're like, girl, we know she's got some skills up in there, but is she really quitting her job to really pursue this? And so that's what I love in hearing your story, because even sometimes those who have a front seat to your dream, they may believe in you, but you know, it's awesome for them to be able to see you achieve when they've had their own doubts, yeah. you know, because they're often afraid the people that often are afraid to see you go after your dreams are because they're afraid to go after their own. Absolutely. So it's often a reflection of there. So just introducing you to the world. I mean, you have done some amazing things in your career. So when you see where you are today, knowing that you had this dream, what is that like to actually be doing something that you only visualized at one point in your life? You know, it is truly a gift and a blessing to be able to wake up and every day do what you love every day. And I am blessed that God listened to my prayer and that he yes anded, as we would say in improv, he yes anded my prayers. And sometimes it's almost unbelievable. It's one of those things where you kind of pinch yourself and you're like, wow, I'm really doing this full time. And it is such a blessing to even as it's happening to you, sometimes you kind of want to step back out of yourself to look at the manifestation and you just know it's God. Mm -hmm. You just know it's God. Because it's so big. And you know, what's so interesting about that is if we go back to where you had this moment, because I remember, you know, you go through college, you have these ideas of what you're going to be doing. And I remember you are like working for Apple and you're like this computer tech. And that's so far from anything. Oh my God. 
I mean, you were good in all of that. I'm sure you were helping people solve their problems on Apple. But take me back to that moment when you're sitting in front of that computer at Apple, helping people and going, this ain't it. This can't be all of it. It was several things. One, I wasn't happy. I love the job. I love the people. I love the environment. Apple was a phenomenal company to work for. Phenomenal. I was getting paid well. I was getting compensated well. The benefits were stellar. I mean, there was nothing about the company in and of itself that triggered that was the push to leave, except for the fact that inside I was not authentically happy. In other words, is this something? Can I wake up every day and say, Apple is like breathing for me? Couldn't say that. Can I wake up every day and go, if Apple was taken out of my life, my life would be full. I couldn't say that. And so I had to make the decision. I had just got the contract with iHeartRadio for voiceover. And I was really trying to decide if this was the right time. And it's one of those moments where you just have to say yes. It is literally the ultimate act of faith because I did not have a backup plan. There was no backup. There was no plan B. Like, well, if this doesn't work out, then I can come back to Apple. Like, You're like, this is it. This is it. And I tell you the other part of that is I remember one of the actors that I had trained with for years and years, he died. He, freak accident, had a stroke in a pool in LA, died. And I remember we had a memorial service for him in Atlanta because he was from Atlanta. And at the service, one of the actors got up and he said, what have you decided about your life? Ooh. And I remember sitting there thinking, what is he talking about? And he said, I know that we all have dreams. We all have desires. We all talk about it. We all want it. But have you, what have you decided? Right? Because when you got up this morning, you decided what you were going to wear and you did it. You decided what you were going to eat and you ate and it. You did it. You decided right. where you wanted to go and you went there. What have you decided about your life, about your success, about your career? And I tell you, Joy, what occurred to me is that I had never decided that I was going to do this. I wanted it. I dreamed it. I was passionate about it. I talked about it. I shared it. But I never decided that it was going to be for me. And I am saying to all the women out there who are listening, if you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you're not sure, if you feel like you're getting some level of success, but it's not really taken off in the way, I would challenge you to make a conscious, verbal, out loud decision about your life, about God's purpose in your life, about your place in your own life, and about the success that's coming your way. Do you remember what that statement was that you said to yourself? I remember I said, I've decided that I'm going to be a successful working actress. That's what I decided. It was that simple. It was that simple. And I remember it so much because I was sitting in the church. I was sitting in the back of the church. I almost got the Holy Ghost, but I felt like I would have scared the people. You know, sometimes you're <laughs> jumping up with the Holy Ghost. They've been scared of people. But I remember feeling the presence of God around me when I made that choice, like it was almost like this rush. It was, I swear that word was just for me. And I can tell you, and I challenge actors that I coach, what have you decided about your life, about your career, about this, about this path as an actor? And I would say for a lot of people, 
and I was one of them, there is a lot of want, there's a lot of desire, there's a lot of passion, and you even find purpose. But until there is a decision made about that thing in your life, it will never elevate. You've got to make a decision. So when you first started out, did you start putting a backup plan just in case? Or did you have in your mind, this has got to work? What was the, the thought process as you said goodbye to your job? I had some level of success, but not much. I mean, I needed to win in 30 days. I mean, I didn't have, you know, a year of savings so that if it didn't happen in the year, then I was good. I didn't have that. So I might have had 30 days, maybe. At the end of the day, I just needed to trust God. Mm -hmm. I just needed God to show up. And I do remember you did start doing Uber or something along those lines. I don't want to give them credit per se, but you initially you said, okay, I have this as well, right? So were you thinking like, okay, let me supplement till I kind of hit it? Or what was your thought process? Yeah, because I mean, I was still teaching, right? So I was still teaching acting. I was still, and then I was like, I just want to be available because this industry requires a level of availability at a moment's notice. And so I wanted to maintain my availability without the stress of trying to manage around other commitments. Being able to do Uber or um, all of those things were great because it freed my time up. I could still kind of make money, but Apple was security, right? Uber only works when I do, right? <laughs> and there's no guarantee in terms of how much money you'll make. So it was still a level of faith just to kind of step out and make it work. It's almost like once you take that first step, it's like God starts, things started happening so much faster than I anticipated. What was that like, that first big role where you, you know, had a speaking role? It wasn't just you waving or saying, hey, I got two lines, right? I got two lines. I'm in the film. I got two lines. That's, I'm that girl over there. But you actually having a speaking role where people are like, oh, she is the character that I remember. Yeah. You know, it's funny because the first big film that I ever did was Iron Man 3. And I remember driving because it was shot in Wilmington, North Carolina on the sound stages there. And I remember, you know, getting into my hotel and then sending a messenger courier over the, the script in a, a nondiscreet envelope because, you know, Marvel's very protective of their storylines. And I remember um, walking on set and there was a star on the trailer with my name on it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have, I'm going to be able to deliver this one line. Right. And it's just, you just have one line. And I was like, mama, I made it. I made it. You know, I put this, You're like, I got this one line, but they gave me a star. I got my own room. I got oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was everything. It was just wonderful. And so you just have this moment of it happened. Like I dreamt it, I prepared for it, I'm doing it. I'm doing this, you know? And it's amazing, it's amazing. I would encourage everybody who is thinking about it, when it starts to happen, to take a moment to really inhale and exhale that moment, to really sit in a moment of gratitude, to really sit in the moment and think about everything that you went through, all the hard work. Because guess what? When it finally starts to happen, what you find out is that it's just the beginning. Mm, that's so good. And you know what I love about your story too, Angela, is that a lot of people think if you didn't make it in your 20s, 
if you didn't make it in your early 30s. If my dream didn't happen in my 20s and 30s, that somehow I've missed it. Yes. But for you, your 40s, I don't mean to tell her age. I don't know if you're not supposed to tell an actress's age or actor. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. okay. But it didn't really, really take off until your 40s. Yeah, I would say like I was probably 38, 39 when things started picking up and literally in my 40s when things started rocking and rolling. And I was like, um, okay, yeah, literally the year I turned 40 was when I got Cloak and Dagger. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, because I was still playing 30 year olds and still can. Thank you very much. You're like, I still look young. I'm a diverse role. But you think about it, people like Viola Davis. It didn't jump off of her until her late 40s, early 50s, when she starred opposite Meryl Streep in the movie Doubt. And she got her first Oscar nod for Best Supporting Actress. She is a Juilliard-trained actress who's been doing this for over 30, almost 40 years, who in her late 40s, 50s is now an A-lister. So you're right. It doesn't happen for everybody in their 20s and 30s. And, you know, God's timing is always perfect, but I'm so glad that it happened now. I have years of professional training in corporate America. I have a great educational background. I have a lot of things that allow me to be successful in this moment and enjoy it with a level of maturity and life perspective that doesn't allow me to squander it or throw it away. And I really want to hit on that for the women who are listening, just because your dream that maybe you had in your 20s or 30s hasn't happened, it doesn't mean it can't happen for you. It doesn't mean it isn't possible for you. And I think Angela is a great example of that. Because Angela, when did you first realize that you even had this gift for acting? I mean, were you in the school plays or did you even think this was your trajectory? Let me tell you something. I would say as soon as I could walk and talk, I was a performer. I was always the kid who, you know, when the kids are like, you had this poem in school, come up here in front of the family, your aunt, uncle, and do this poem. And you, the kids were like, oh, I don't want to do it. I was like, okay, everybody have a seat. I'm going to need everybody in the front <laughs> row. I'm going to need everybody to take their seats, please. I'm going to need quality spotlight. I'm going to need a little stick. Like, I was a kid who was like, are you kidding me? I am ready for this. And so even I was the kid that was volunteering for the plays. And in church, when kids didn't want to do the Easter speeches, I was like, I'll do yours. I can do the whole verse. What's up? <laughs> I was always ready, never afraid of an audience, never um, scared or um, shy about performing in front of people. And so I remember the first play I ever did, I was a tree in Little Red Riding Hood. And they cast according to type. So the blonde girl got the role of Little Red Riding Hood. I was upset about it. (laughs) But you're like, I'm brown, so I can be the tree. I could be, so they put, made me the tree. I felt some type of way about it. (laughs) My mother told me, she said, listen, whatever you are, you be the best at whatever that thing is. You can be the best tree that I said, okay. Now I was also a very literal child. So whatever you told me, I absolutely believed was true. And because my mother said that I could be the best tree ever, let me tell you, I went out, I had on, I had a brown leotard and a green top. And I went outside and we had these hefty trash bags and I went outside and gathered leaves up in my yard and I got glue and some staple and I put leaves all over the hefty trash bag and my little arms was out my brown leotard with my, with my leaves and everything. (laughs) 
You weren't playing. Oh my God. I wasn't playing. I came ready to be this tree in this haunted forest. So the night of the show, I was the tree. I was in the middle. There were two other trees on either side of me. I was in the center. So when the girl came on stage, the narrator started telling the story. Once upon a time, you know, in a haunted forest, when they that heard that wind blowing, I was the one tree moving, like moving. Because, you know, it was like the wind was blowing. She was on her way to grandma's house. And so I just remember the audience screaming hysterically. Because I was, because the tree, they said the wind was blowing. And when the wind blows, the trees move and the leaves. And so I was moving all over the stage. And I just remember everybody's reaction on that stage. And I was like, I could live for this. This is my whole moment. I've never stopped acting since. You know, what's so interesting about that is that a lot of times what we're meant to do or the gift as people are trying to rediscover their purposes. It's always cool to go back to your childhood and say, what did you love? What touched your soul? You know, because even as I think about myself, I was 13 when I was like, oh, I'm going to be Oprah. This Absolutely. <laughs> You've been interviewing and talking to folks and ready to take the stage and a mic since I've known you. You know what I mean? But going back, it's like there are these clues that kind of clue you in. And I was that person that asked a million questions. They'd be like, really? Are you going to ask another question? I'd be like, so why did you do this? And what was the reason behind that? So I just love that you still remember that moment of the tree and that feeling that you got from the audience and that yeah. applause and knowing that a gift that you gave, it impacted somebody, right? Yeah. And then fast forwarding that to today, you know, I'm curious. So when that happened, and I know you said you always acted or you always were in that, but I noticed in college, you kind of went a different direction. You had this passion, but something kind of pivoted you. What do you think happened that changed that you didn't go after it big time in that moment? Because I think that could be very powerful for a lot of people. Yeah. In college, I did not major in theater, but I always did theater. Even though I was a business major and a mass communications major, I did plays on the side. It just wasn't a major. I never knew that. And this is so interesting, y'all. So here she goes to college. She does still does mass communication, but she's going into business. And even as her closest friends, I didn't even realize that she was doing theater. I had no clue that this was going on in the background. Or maybe I did or just didn't recollect. You probably, guys probably don't recall. But yes, I, I still um, did theater. It was just something that was always a part of me. And But I think when I got to college, life kind of starts to check in. And then you sort of get these realizations like, ooh, when I graduate, I got to live on my own, pay my own bills, live as a single person, as an adult. And so now sometimes your dreams don't feel as real or attainable, or you feel like you've got to have a foundation, right? And there's just some dreams that are not supported in the way that other dreams are. Now, if I said I was, my dream was to be a doctor, to be an attorney, to be a teacher, to be an engineer, to be a scientist, then everybody would be like, yes, absolutely. That's awesome and wonderful. And there, there's, you know why? Because there's a straight line for that. There is a straight line when your dream is not in the arts. There's a very straight line to becoming a business professional. You go to school, you get your BA, you should probably get your MBA, and then you intern and then you work for a company. You start at entry level. You go to mid-level management. You might get a specialty, go back to school. You then get to VP and hopefully maybe CEO. I mean, these are very straight line paths in corporate America. 
Same thing with education, same thing in medicine or in the medical field. There are very straight lines in terms of education, time, specialty. And so those paths are very clear. They're very straightforward. They don't vary. Music, theater and or acting, performance art, visual arts, those are very gray. There is no straight line. Sometimes there isn't a line. Yeah. And also because you see people who are doing it, they still don't seem like it's attainable, right? Because everybody wants to be, you know, the Denzel, but Denzel's Denzel. It doesn't seem like that's something you could do. I mean, how many people know somebody in their community who's a working actor? Very few. Very few. But everybody knows a teacher, somebody who works in business, who works in insurance, who works in corporate America, who works in education, who works in medicine, who's the, and there's nothing wrong with those dreams. But for me, and I even fell into that for my own dream. And so I went to college, like, gosh, I should probably get a business degree because, you know, acting, uh, and then I should probably, you know, get this communication degree because I'm not in, at that time, LA, I'm not in LA. I can't afford to go to LA. And I'm, so I'm going to move to Atlanta, but I need to work. So that's what I did. I went into corporate America, but I tell you how God works. God will work a thing out in such a way that you will always get back to where you're supposed to be. And when I moved to Atlanta, I moved to Atlanta in 2000 and 2001, I got my own apartment. I was working for this company at that time, Airborne Express. And then I went out to dinner with my mom, actually, who was in town, and our waitress was an actress. And she said, hey, I'm taking classes at this acting studio in Atlanta. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, you should come and audit a class. It's free. Here's the information. She was amazing. I went there. That was in 2003. Never looked back. Isn't that crazy? I mean, when you think about, I mean, let's just unpack that for a moment. So here, you know, you had this little dream as a girl, you get to college, you're like, this is probably not practical. Let me go into the business world. I'm going to work on my business degree. I got this mass communications. You're working. It's not that you're not, you know, do you had a decent job and yeah. you're in this moment where this lady just comes, she's, she's just your waitress and she just had a message for you. Yeah. And that message was, even though in the time you may not have looked at it as that was the message, is a messenger, but she was a messenger with the message for you like, hey, there's something here that I have for you. And I think that's so good because so many times in our lives, we're not paying attention to the signposts. We're not paying attention to the people that got places in our lives, right? That I don't believe that anything happens by chance. That's just what I believe. And I, I strongly believe that there are are things that happen. And if you pay attention, you'll start to see them. So to know that here, this dream was inside of you, you've gone on and then boom, a lady at the restaurant, the waitress says, Hey, acting class, come out of the class. And then what's crazy is you went into not only first, you started out taking the class, then you became the instructor of the class. <laughs> and now to look, I mean, and now to look at you now being an actress. And now you've also decided to open your own acting school for people or own acting program to help them. So tell me, when did that even come into all of this equation to realize not only did you have this gift and it was needed now, but that you also wanted to give back and pull the other people who just like you have a dream and want to see that dream come to fruition. And you're holding out your hand and said, let me show you the path. 
Yeah, you know, I was invited by the owner of that studio to shadow him and to start teaching. And I liked the idea, but I wasn't sure about it at first. You know, I didn't have major, major credits, but I tell you what I did have and what I still have is an innate ability to understand this craft in a way that sometimes even blows my mind. I can watch television or a film even now, and I can see the script in my mind on paper. When I'm watching a TV show, I could actually script it. I could pause and I could write it out. I can see what it looks like on paper when I watch it on screen. I can see the direction and vice versa. When I look at a script on paper, I can see the way that they're going to film it. I can tell you where the commercial breaks are going to be in a television show. I can tell you where the cutaway shots are going to be, even if they're not written. I can tell you the close up and I can almost tell you that they're probably going to zoom in at this moment. And if it's a, and if it's a multicam, I can tell you where the cross point is going to be. And so these are just things that I innately know, things that I innately pick up the things that I understand and the things that have always fascinated me about human behavior. Now, all of those things, which I used to think made me weird, all of those things make sense because as an actor, when you are taking something that literally does not exist and putting these names into human form, all of those things about human behavior, about what people do and how they do it and how it shows up is what makes actors good is what separates the good from the great is your ability to manifest somebody who only exists on paper sometimes we don't understand how the different pieces of our lives come together and the and when you said i'm looking and i one point i thought it was weird that i analyzed people in this way that i saw things that other people didn't see but then getting into your craft and realizing not only am i an actor right but i also have this gift to see things and help people and then all those pieces started to kind of fall together. That's amazing. Yes. You know, Viola Davis um, says something a lot in her interviews. And she said this when she won her Oscar. She said, we are, as actors, thieves of human behavior. And when she said that, I was like, me too. Like, I, I completely got it because... That's what we do. We dissect and we watch people and we look at the way they behave and how their ex emotional expression shows up. And we emulate that and we take that and we steal pieces of that to create these characters on television and film that people love to love or people love to hate. And so when I think about that, you're right. Everything about you Everything about who you are, what you like, what you don't like, what you are innately in tune to is all a part of the purpose God has created in you, right? And it's just a matter of you allowing that to come out, right? You know, my pastor said something in the sermon a long time ago, and, I, and it's so true. He says that, you know, when a baby is born, a baby is not born walking, but he's got walking in him. Mm, that's good. Baby isn't born talking, but he's got talking in him. It's the same thing with us. There is purpose in our life, even if it hasn't manifest yet, it's there. That's a word in and of itself because some people may feel like, you know, it hasn't manifested for you, but there is purpose and there is things that are innately already in you to move you to where you are supposed to be. And one day, 
if you're open, if you make a decision like Angela did, you never know what is going to happen and how all of those pieces are going to come together to shape your life. So that is so good. So good. So if there is someone, because I do think what you've done as an actor, is, do we have to say actor or actresses? I always, let me get that right first. Because I know there was a whole debate over that. Years ago, because, and, and they did that because women were so discriminated against in the industry. So you would say actor, whether they were male or female. I'm fine. Actress is fine. <laughs> so if there were three tips that you would give to someone who thinks they may want to go down a path of acting, maybe I'm a woman in my 30s or 40s, or maybe I'm in my 20s and I'm listening to this podcast. What would be maybe three pieces of advice that you would give to someone who wants to go maybe in the path that you've gone? The first thing that I would say to them is that you have to make sure that you have a love for the craft of acting. Acting is really about telling a story. And what we do as actors is that we are storytellers. All of these pieces come together to help tell a story. And if you have to love being a storyteller, the reason I say that is because some people say they want to be an actor when they really want to be famous. And there is a difference. You don't have to be an actor to be famous. There's a lot of different things you can do to be famous without getting in front of a camera. So you need to distinguish, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be famous? One. Two, if you say that you want to be an actor, then the first thing that you need to do is get into a acting class. I have an acting class. And because of COVID and the way the world is shaped, everybody's doing stuff online. So you can get in on an online class in the major um, areas where it's hot, Atlanta, LA, New York, all of these cities have acting studios that have online classes. You not only need to learn the show, but you need to learn business, right? This is the business of show. And this is as much about what happens in front of the camera, that's the art, and everything that happens behind it. And that's the craft. So you need to make sure you get into an acting class. And the third thing that you are going to need is perspective. You need to understand who you are. You need to know whose you are. And you need to make sure you have the right expectations. And this is what I mean by that. If you are a woman who's in her 40s, in her 50s, I have a woman who was who's in her 60s, who's just starting out as an actor. She was an educator for over 40 years, retired, wanted to be an actress. Absolutely. So here's what you're not going to be in your 60s. You are probably not going to be a Marvel superhero. OK, nothing wrong with wanting to be one. But unless Stan Lee wrote one, I know who you are as a woman who's in her 60s. You got to know who you are. You got to know that in this industry, everything is about type and about what you represent, right? And so you gotta know what you're bringing to the table. And those are things you learn in class. You gotta know whose you are. And what I mean by that is that this is an industry where you get told no a lot. The best actor in the room doesn't always book the job, right? Because there are a million other things outside of your talent that determine whether or not you get picked. And I can tell you from doing a ton of auditions, and Joy, you know this, I've shared a lot about a lot of the work that I've been up for. There's a lot of things that I love that I know I did well at. I didn't book it. And so you got to know whose you are because you're going to have to affirm yourself a lot that you are enough. And the other thing about that is perspective. The saying is it takes about 10 years to become an overnight success. Oh, I had never heard that. Is that something y'all tell people in the industry? 
Absolutely. Because a lot of people are like, wow, I've been doing this for five years. <laughs> you just getting started. Welcome. Welcome. You haven't even dipped the toe in five years in. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you have the right perspective and the right expectations because the energy and the motivation is going to have to main, be maintained and be consistent and specific. Because what happens is a lot of people go, wait a minute, I've been doing this five years and nothing. I've only booked a small, I only set one line on one show and they cut that scene out. Yep. That's it. Welcome. <laughs> I love that. That is so good, Angela, because I think that can go across many um, careers and genres because sometimes we think success is instant. We think it just happens in a moment. Well, think about it. And this industry is, is very shocking for a lot of people because they think that they don't have to put in the amount of hours and work and time. But let me give you an example. Nobody ever looks at a rocket scientist or a neurosurgeon and go, you know, I could do that. I can get up in the morning and go to the hospital. Cardiologist, I can do it. I'm going to go down in the morning. I'm going to go ahead and apply to be a cardiologist. They have to take me. I'm excited about it. I ain't scared of it. Listen, I watched a couple videos on it on YouTube. I'm good. But everybody thinks that they can be an actor. Everybody watches TV and go, I mean, they ain't doing nothing but talking on the screen. I can read. I can read a script. <laughs> that is so true. So what happens is that a lot of people jump in the industry because it appears easy. It's fun. There's accolades. You get some shine. You get to be famous or people recognize you. And so people sort of assume that it's a cakewalk. They assume that it's just easy. You just, you just being yourself. Or, or they say things like, I like to talk. I'm good with people. I'm outgoing, which has nothing to do with your ability as an actor. So these are the things that we talk about when we talk about, you know, being an actor and whether or not it's something that's going to work. And we talk about perspective. And so this is one of the things about this industry that everybody assumes they can do. Which is so true, because I think a lot of people, like you said, you know, I remember when my dad did this commercial with Spike Lee and being <laughs> right. on the set of that, that Spike Lee commercial, I said, Lord, these people got a lot of patience. I remember Spike Lee said at least 10 times, Clarence Sutton, I'm going to need you to know we're going to need this. I mean, all day for a 30 second commercial. And so, like you said, people don't realize how much it takes and how much you have to give to do it. And then, like you said, being willing to be patient, to say, I love this so much that if it takes me 10 years of 80,000 no's, I'm going to rate for the yes. And it can keep going after that. But when you look back on all of this, Angela, how worth it has it been to hear no, 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 but then to get yes after yes after yes. Yes. That yes is everything that. Yeah. But I tell you what, the only way you're going to get the yes is that you got to yes yourself first. That's that decision. You got a yes to God. Yes to God, to this gift you've given me. Yes to who you made me out to be. Yes, I am enough. Yes, I'm good enough. Yes, I'm worthy. Yes, I'm available for you. Yes. Even the yes in this industry has to have perspective. Right. And this is why a lot of people in the industry sort of fall away or the yes from the world can change them. Because if you're not getting the right yes in areas that matter, 
And the yes you got to have before you get the yes from the casting director, from a director or producer, is that you've got to have that yes from God. And you got to know that even when people tell you no, even when the world said, says no, God has said yes. And so when I hear no from casting or from a TV show, it's because God is about to yes something bigger and better and greater. So when you hear the yes from the world, all they are doing is echoing what God has already said. And what you believe about yourself. And there you go. And Because if you don't have that, the world will become your God. And I am telling you that if you live for people's praise, you will die by their criticism. And that's what happens to a lot of people in this industry is that they need that worldly praise. And we all know the public is fickle. They will love you in the morning and hate you by noon. And then they'll love you again by Friday. I mean, this is just the way the world is. So you've got to know what your yeses are. You got to know where you are aligned. You got to know who you are. And you need to make sure that you have a support system of people that are in your inner, inner circle, that are in your corner, that are in your safe space. So that when you do have hard times, dark days, that you've got a soft place to land. Mm hmm. That's good. So if someone is listening to this and they believe they said, OK, maybe I'm one of those people that think I have the gift. <laughs> How do you know if you have the gift? Do you does that only determined by going to an acting class and doing it? Or are there telltale t signs that you usually see when somebody walks in the door and you go, that person has the gift? The biggest asset to an actor is their ears, your ability to listen the biggest gift is going to be their heart. And so when actors come into my class, what I look for in terms of talent is an actor's ability to listen and take the notes and take the redirection so that they can be better. And then I also look for the actor who is unapologetically authentic, who's willing to bear themselves emotionally and be willing at least to open up themselves to let the world see them and all of their flaws and all of the things that make them who they are. If you are that kind of person, you could, and if you don't mind doing that in a public space, you're probably going to be an amazing actor because one of the great philosophers and the great architects of acting is uh, Stanislavski. He was the first person to formalize acting into a process that you could learn from, right? Acting is old, Greek, Shakespeare, I mean, the 1500s. So acting in and of itself is not new. Stanislavski in the early 1900s, I believe, was the first person to take the art of acting and formalize a process to learn it. And one of the things that he called acting was public solitude. And that is the ability to be authentic, to be vulnerable, and to allow people in in those moments. What percentage do you think it, acting is a gift? And in what percentage do you think it's a skill that you're learning? Because you talk about this authenticity of being an actor and being willing to be vulnerable and listening and all of that. But from your perspective, is it more a gift that you just have to hone? Or is it something that can be learned? Any art, right? Music, singing, dancing, anything can be learned, right? Even things that are not artistic. I could go to school and be a doctor. I'm smart enough. I'm capable. I could be CEO. I could learn to read a spreadsheet. It wouldn't make me happy, but could I learn to do it? Could I be successful at it? Yeah, I was an IT manager in corporate America. I was an area manager. So are these... Talent are these skills are things that 
any person who's willing can learn to do? Yes. The gift, I think, is in the root of the word. It is something that is given to you that is an innate part of who you are. And it is something that becomes as natural and as necessary as breathing. So when you start talking about that, everybody in their life has something that just is for them. They don't have to try. They don't have to work hard. They just have it. They just have it. There are people right now who can play music by ear or who can just sing. It was given to them. But even the gift has to be honed. So I think acting is 80% gift, 20% honed skill. And I think that that's it for the people who take it seriously, right? For the people who want to be storytellers. I love that. Actors are storytellers. It's such a good word. And I have to ask these questions before we go, because people are going to be like, tell me about some of the actors, uh, actresses you've got to work with. Tell me some stories. So who who it was the most exciting to meet oh. um, that you've met? Take me through some of your stories. I got to hear some of the stories because if I have you on here and I don't say that, they're going to be like, really? The first person I remember ever getting like super excited about meeting was Samuel L. Jackson. He was, in true story, he used to be repped by my current agent here in Atlanta, Atlanta Models and Talent. And um, I did a horror film with him called Cell, and he is introduced in the scene that I'm in. And I remember I sat next to him because we shot on the subway here in Atlanta all night. It was an overnight shoot. And I sat next to him and we talked all night. And he is absolutely as cool and as nice and as un-Hollywood as anybody I've ever met. Wow. Super, Super amazing. Funny. Um, he does cuss that he that that that, <laughs> that Samuel L. Jackson. I'm trying to tell you that's who he is, but he's a lot of fun, gracious, kind. He is an absolute gentleman, and I would work with him any day. I have worked with uh, Felicia Rashad. She was fantastic. She was wonderful. I've met Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry was my first sitcom, national TV sitcom, doing House of Pain. I will forever be grateful to him. Um, I have had the chance to meet Tyler Perry, super nice man, um, very intimidating. He's a very big presence, but super nice, um, but very intense on set. He's very much about his business, um, but he's fantastic to work with. I was on Creed in the movie Creed, so I got a chance to be directed by Ryan Coogler, which was really great. I was in the movie um, Venom and Iron Man 3, so that was super cool um, to work with those directors I got a chance to meet uh, Michelle Williams. She was in Venom. I've seen was in with her. But she got, my scene got cut, but it was great because I <laughs> run into her to push her down the hall. So it was great. Um, so it's you know you get a chance to work with all of these names, and then you meet these people, and you find out they're just normal, regular people, just like you. Really? I mean, does it feel like that? Like I know you said you're having this conversation with Samuel L. Jackson, or you you meet Felicia Rashad or Tyler Perry's directing you. You yeah. know. And you realize they're just of course i mean because i know you when you become famous i'll be like who her angela yeah. davis come on y'all you know, so, you know <laughs> it's crazy because we elevate people we put people on these pedestals and then on, on set that behavior is absolutely not allowed you are not allowed even as a fan to have a fan moment because it's creepy right it's like we're all actors we're all on the same level even though they're sort of the a-listers 
it's like nobody wants you to be weird. Like imagine you're in the grocery store and somebody starts running at you screaming, you gonna run. Like you don't know if they're having a they don't know if they're having a mental break. You don't know what's happening. You know, if you're in the restaurant and somebody follows you to your car, that's scary. You don't know what's happening. So you want people that are gonna be normal. And and most most of the actors that I've met, particularly the named actors, and you get a chance to talk to them, they're very gracious. You know, oh my gosh, I loved you in XYZ. I thought you did a great job on this. Oh my gosh, it was just, it's so great to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Most of them are like, thank you. But most of them want to be treated just like regular people. They don't want to be fawned over because it feels weird. Because in their mind, they're just a regular person too. And so if you're fawning over them, it makes them feel a little weird. It just Mm -hmm. makes them feel weird. I got, you know, I've had a couple of fan moments that were weird for me. What was the fan moment? I had a guy follow me out of the grocery store mm. and I was realized I was being followed as I was walking to my car. And so I was reaching in my purse to grab my keys. I was like, I don't have nothing, but these keys this is going to come in handy. So <laughs> and I turned around and he put his hands up and he said, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, what do you, what, why are you following me? And he said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I just, are you on cloak and dagger? Aren't you? Even, aren't you on cloak and dagger? Oh, I almost beat the man in the face with my keys. And, you know, and so he was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I love cloak and dagger and your auntie Chantel. And so I, we ended up taking a picture and he was super excited. Texas girlfriend. It was a whole thing. And then I was at essence fest and another girl, she was a teenager. Um, her uncle came up to me and he said, my niece just loves you on this show. Are you on this show? And blah, blah, blah. So it was cool. I mean, you know, some really cool fan moments because I don't think of myself as a celebrity. So I'll just say when I told some people that I was interviewing you and they're like, wait a minute, she on P Valley, that popular show that I can't watch. And they, and I was like, yes, they're like, oh my gosh, we have to hear from her. So I know, you know, bigger than that, I just loved hearing your story I just loved the words of wisdom. You gave us so many, Angela, just so many golden and yummy nuggets, you know, deciding this is who you are and what you're going to do and going for it and never thinking it's too late and just going for your dream. And when you decide God shows up, cosigns, boom, it's done. done. And so I'm looking forward to the day. I know me and my other friends say that we want to be there when you get your first. Is it Emmy? Is that the big one we're going for? Oscar. Well, Oscar. Emmy is television. So yeah, so the two big awards are Emmy in any kind of television and Oscar, the Academy Award for anything in film. So we already I, said we're gonna be in the audience. Oh, I mean, we're, I gonna mean, I get the we're gonna add a SAG award. I'm here for all four of those. Yes. Yeah, so uh, me and my other friend have already said that when sh- when that happens, we'll be sitting in the audience because to see, like I said, what you've done has been amazing. And I just want to give you one opportunity to say a final thought. Maybe it's a woman out there, she's heard your story and she's thinking. I had a dream when I was a little girl. Maybe it's not acting. Maybe it was something else. But she had this memory and just you were sharing that story about the the tree and being the best tree and knowing that even as your childhood, you had this dream. What would you say to that woman who's at that fence of feeling stuck and knowing what should I do next? I would say that, one, I challenge you to decide that you are going to be what's calling out to you to be. And then trust who God made you to be and step out on faith and do it. There is 
so much to be done in this world. And there is something that cannot be done unless you do it. Whatever that is for you, it cannot be done by anybody else in the way that you can do it, in the way that you are going to bless people. And God gave it to you for you to do. And I hope that you trust the creator enough to believe in yourself, the created, to do what he has purposed in you. So whatever that little girl is calling up and calling out and pushing on you and that thing that's in the back of your mind that's always on you that you can't let it go, that's nagging and gnawing, I hope that you would, as we would say in improv, yes and, that you would agree with that and decide to say yes to the purpose God has for your life. My conversation with Angela has me reflecting on my own life. Interestingly enough, I started out wanting to be an actress too. I'll never forget when I was in middle school, I played the lead character in a school play. Afterwards, I had students literally lined up to get my autograph. They were like, you're going to be famous someday, Joy. I still remember that moment. It was surreal. And while I eventually realized I did not want to be an actress because I would have to kiss these random people, and that was kind of a deal breaker. <laughs> I soon realized I loved entertaining people and I wanted to be like Oprah because I wanted to impact people's lives through storytelling. And that dream has never died, even while I was stuck for four years trying to figure it out. This podcast that you're listening to all started at the age of 45. It's a rebirth of that dream. I'm curious, what childhood dream will you go after? Something to think about this new year. Up next on The Coach's Corner, we have tips on how to move past fear and into courage so you can go after your dreams. Ladies, if you know in your heart that this is your year to own your stage and embrace the spotlight, I want to help you get there. Through my latest program, Launch Your Show with Sutton Impact, I work one-on-one -on -one with you to develop your talk show concept, show you how to host like an expert and launch with impact. Check out the show notes to connect with me to learn more. It is time to get your message out to the masses. Women around the world are waiting on you. On today's Coach's Corner, what often holds us back from going after our dreams is fear. That's why today I wanted to get some advice from Courage Coach Lisa B. Her pivot from attorney to coach is part of her own courageous journey in her 50s. She now helps her clients find the courage to pursue their own dreams and calls herself the life changer. I asked her, why so many of us struggle when it comes to going after the things we truly desire? I would definitely say one of the main things is because what we've been taught, our previous experiences, what people have spoken into our lives and we've decided to receive those things which have put us in a place where we are really fearful about moving forward. We're afraid uh, that if we let go of what we have right now, we won't be able to gain those things that we say that we want for our future. So I believe those head conversations, the things we've been taught, uh, the experiences, and of course our circles because the people that we're around, they speak into our lives and we allow that just to kind of marinate in our thought pattern and it becomes a part of who we are. So I believe that those are some of the things that really play into having a, a spirit of fear that won't allow us to really move in an area of courage. 
So do you find like you're saying this is so good because do you find most people were so in our heads and we're overthinking, we're over processing. And, you know, I wonder if it also goes back to feeling that I'm not enough. Because one of the reasons when I think about it that I often, you know, was stuck for four years is sometimes we believe is what we have to give to the world enough. I absolutely believe that. Sometimes we have just gotten in a headspace where we believe that what everybody else has, when we're watching those social media highlights, when we're watching television and things like that, we see people doing the things that we say we want to do, those things we wrote on our vision board, the things that we even declare to other people. And then we begin to look at ourselves and we begin to doubt whether or not we can do it. We think, I don't have enough education. I don't have enough resource. I don't have the connects. But what we have to really understand is those people are not different from us. I like to tell my clients many times, nobody is special. It's all about the decisions that they made and then the action that they took to actually put themselves in a position where their dreams begin to unfold right in front of their eyes. So absolutely, that self-doubt, not feeling like you are worthy enough. And again, it does go back to question one about why do we feel like that? It's in our head. It's been about who we've been associating ourselves with, what we've been reading, what we've, what we've been feeding to ourselves. And so we have to shift those things in order to shift our way of thinking about courage, about whether or not we are worthy, about whether or not we can accomplish these goals. How do you know if you're in your head? You know, how do you know if you are being, you know, dealing with this spirit of fear? What are the telltale signs that you tell people to look out for? Because sometimes we think, oh, I'm just being cautious or, oh, I'm just playing it safe. So how do you know the difference between that and actually I'm fearful, which is preventing me from operating in courage? Yeah. So I, I love to give the example when I think about caution, I think about this analogy of getting on the freeway. And, you know, traffic is already moving forward and it's moving at a fast pace. But caution tells me to look. Caution tells me to, to proceed, but then I have to accelerate in order to get in the flow. So caution really is just a looking and due diligence, checking out the circumstance before I jump in, so to speak. When you're looking at fear, fear is the thing that creates paralysis. When you won't move, when you won't do anything, that's when you know that you're in your head and it's fear that's holding you back. Fear is that thing that will cause you to be in a space called stuck. And if you're stuck in anything, you're going to have to find a way to get out of it. Either somebody's going to have to help you get out of it or you're going to have to start making steps. And I really like to tell people that when somebody sees you moving forward, when they see you getting in action, I just believe that they are drawn to you to come and help you along on the journey. I don't believe you have to do this thing by yourself, but people need to see you trying to get out of that place, trying to pivot, making those changes that are necessary for you to move to the next level. So again, Caution, it's about checking it out. It's about the due diligence. It's about uh, even when you're looking at getting investors, if it's a company, checking those people out, doing your research, the things that are necessary so you can know you can merge into traffic, so to speak. But that fear is a place called stuck. I love that because I think a lot of women are in that place where they're stuck and they don't know why. You know, they're trying to figure out why I'm stuck. And what you just said was such a golden nugget. If you're in a place of feeling stuck, it's often connected to fear, which is keeping you paralyzed, you know, keeping you in that place. So how what is fear? You know, I've heard this before where people have given it these acronyms like it's false evidence appearing real. But what do you feel? You know, from somebody who's helping women to overcome this, what do you feel fear really is? 
So I think it really is for me, it's that emotional state of mind that holds me back from becoming who I'm supposed to be. If it tells me that you're not good enough, if it tells me that you are not worthy, if it tells me that you can't accomplish that dream because, uh, you know, you're not smart enough, you're not brave enough, you don't know enough people. That's what the fear is. It's really, it's intangible, but it's real. You understand that? Yes. yes. The things that we don't see are more real to some degree than those things that we do see. So it's all about the mind games because that's what fear will do. Fear will play a mind game with you. And yes, it, People will say the false evidence of things appearing real. I say it like this. I don't think it's false evidence. It is true evidence. If we don't have any results in our life, fear is real. Mm. We have to find a way to overcome it. We have to find a way to tunnel through it, go over it, push it out of the way. And that's when it comes to the whole work of really working on your mindset. What are you thinking about yourself? Who are the people that you're sitting with? that are talking to you, that are speaking into your life. Because as I said earlier, those conversations from different people, believe it or not, those things have a huge impact on us. Their voices become the louder voices versus those that will really encourage us to get in that place of courage versus those that would encourage us to pursue the dreams. Those voices that would encourage us that we have to remind ourselves that we have greatness on the inside of us. We have gifts and we have talents and gifts are to be given. We need mm, to get our gifts to the world. It's time to make some presentations. That's what I say about that. Yeah, I love that. And you know what's so powerful, Lisa B, is your own story. Because you, and I often find, you know, the things that God leads us to help other people in are things that we've been challenged with sometimes in our own lives. And I look at your story and here you are, this attorney, you're still an attorney, but there was something in you that said, I needed to make a courage pivot. Tell me about your own personal experience and where you were in that moment where you realized you needed to exercise courage and move past maybe fear in your own life. So I would say it's been about six to seven years now. And it's it's a funny story to me when I think about it. I was actually at the uh, YMCA in Birmingham, Alabama, and I had just gotten off one of the machines. And it just occurred to me to say, uh, I need to tell the people that there's greatness on the inside. And so I grabbed my cell phone and I made this recording. I said, you need to know there's greatness on the inside of you, no matter what. Everybody has something on the inside. It was probably a minute or so. And then I decided that I would post that video. And I knew that if I posted that video, there was going to be an expectation of something else. This is what I, you know, had conversations. So I said, I'm going to have to do something else. And then as I began to really look at what was beginning to um, be created, then I said, I've got to do something different with this. And I already knew even as an attorney that this was my investor. I've always known that. I've always known I was supposed to teach people. And so I thought as an attorney, because we talk a lot, which is something I love to do, mm-hmm. that we talk a lot, that that's what I was supposed to be doing. But teaching is at the core of who I am. And so when I began to make the videos, I said, you know, I'm going to continue to make more videos. I'm going to talk to the people about, you know, understanding they have greatness, pursuing their dreams and their goals. And then as I did that more and more, it began to really... um live in me. You understand what I'm saying? It's that thing when you woke, you wake up in the morning, you think about it, you go to bed, you're thinking about it. How can I make this better? How can I make myself better? But by the same token, I'm looking at the fact that I'm running a practice that I've been running for over 20 years. 
who's going to stop their practice to do something else? Mm. To pivot into something totally different where, first of all, let's just, let's be honest, there's no income at this particular point. Bills still have to be paid. You know, we tell the whole truth about that. And then also not knowing who I could count on as far as supporting me. We always have those questions when we get ready to go into something different. But what I will say is that I've been I was very, very, very blessed to have a husband who is like my biggest cheerleader ever. And he said, you know what? Just go do it. Just go do it. And when I got that okay, so to speak, from him, I really felt more confident in it, although I still was doing it with my knees shaking. I think women would be surprised how many people get up and do stuff that they have their knees knocking. You know, I was a journalist uh, doing news every day for years on TV, and there were still times, just transparent moment, where I'd be like, Lord, make my natural supernatural. You know, I am still have had moments where I was nervous or ner- moments where I had to stand and my knees still knocked. I still had that. And people be like, oh, she's so natural and comfortable. And I love that, you know, when people are really real and what you are in sharing your experience is that many of us still have fears or we still have that, but we move forward anyway. We keep going anyway. And I remember I was, it was the other day I was in the shower. I often have these, you know, thoughts and things and I'm in the shower and I had this message and it was like, how would you live if you weren't afraid to die? You know? And I was like, oh, that's so good. And I was like, what would you do differently? And I think that still goes back to our dreams. You know, how would you live if you weren't afraid to die or you weren't afraid to fail? What would you get up and do in this moment if you weren't afraid of failure? If you said, I might fail, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to get up anyhow. And when that hit me, I'm like, oh, okay. God's giving me a message now. You're, that that means that I'm still living in fear. But if you let that, if you stay stuck there, then the dreams and all of that that's inside of you will never bless the people that it's meant to bless. You have to make a decision. Are you going to stay in this place that is not fulfilling anymore? And I believe that everything we go through, our college education, whether it's street education, whatever it is, I believe it helps to build and make us so that we are the people that we are today. Those experiences are good. Being in a private practice, it was good for me. Learning how to be a CEO, it was good for me. I can take the same skill set and translate it into the coaching and speaking and mentoring business. What I've decided is this, at all costs, I must become who I'm supposed to be. It's going to require sacrifice. Law school was a sacrifice. Opening a business was a sacrifice. If I did it before, I can do it again. And that's what I want to encourage even some of the other ladies. You know, you might be a homemaker right now, but your dream is to become, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe you want to open a business. If you've been a homemaker, you already know how to do administrative things. You know how to be a CEO. What I'm saying is that you have a skill set. You just have to decide. When we decide, that's the most important part. It's not necessarily what, but it's about making a decision. And that's what I had to do. I had to make a decision that this is not all for me. There is more. So what's another tip that you would say that people could do? We talked about starting, moving in fear, even when you're feeling that. Is there something else that you would say would be another thing they can try? So I am big on affirmations. I tell people you need to see it in your head before you see it in your life. And so I believe that affirmations as to who we are in the future are important. And so that's something even in the book, I emphasize using affirmations, you know, because we have to really overcome those other ways of thinking. I I tell people sometimes we have a mediocre way of thinking, thinking, oh, that'll do, that's enough. Uh Uh-uh. 
You're meant to walk in excellence. You're meant to walk in greatness. You're meant to walk in such a way where there's a light that shines. Now, it might not reach a million people, but it's supposed to be a light that somebody is attracted to. And so when we tell ourselves, you know, uh, whatever it might be, for example, I am a millionaire. I am a, I'm a motivational speaker that touches the world. I am a best-selling author. I am a business owner. I am a great wife. I am a great mother. I'm a great educator, whatever it is. I am those things. If you are those things, then you become what you say that you are. So affirmations are key. This is about the conversations that you have with yourself. This goes back to self-worth and it goes back to loving yourself. What are you thinking about yourself? As you use those affirmations over again, because repetition, just like we used to do in school, remember when we had spelling words? Maybe I'm mm-hmm. dating myself. No, but- <laughs> <laughs> tell us, write them over and over and over again so that you can memorize them. And to this day, some of those words that I learned then, they are still there because I was repeating those things. I was constantly doing it over and over again. So affirmations to me are key to putting ourselves in a space to begin to walk out of that place called fear and step into the courage arena. Why do you think affirmations work so well? Is it because do you feel like as you're telling yourself this over and over again, I know you said it's about mindset. Does that repetition you feel kind of shift something in your mind that you begin to believe it? So then you begin acting on it. What do you think is happening with the affirmations? Because we hear people say, do your affirmations or, you know, declare things over your life and things like that. But why, from your experience, do you think it's so impactful and that it works? So it goes back to my mantra. My mantra is provoking you to think so I can promote you to change. If you are thinking about what you want to see in your life, thinking about something creates this thing called action. Action brings about change. And so it's all about what you're telling yourself. If you're saying I'm a millionaire, your subconscious is going to be saying, now, how do we make that happen? How do we make that happen? And then as the plans, the ideas, the creativity, the strategies come to you, then you get in action. The action creates the change and the manifestation of what you said your I am is. So again, it's about what you're saying to yourself. It creates movement in us psychologically first, then physically. And then we see it manifest in our lives. Ooh, that's so that's good. Why I think that they're so powerful. They're not just to, to, to walk around and say, I have a book of affirmations. They are powerful words of power. They create your life. So if we go back to even the um, what I said earlier about watching what people are saying about us, if people have told us that we're no good for so long, we begin to believe that. You see how they just use words? You've got to overcome with your own set of words. That's what we have to do. So how often do you recommend doing that? Is it something that you tell your clients you wake up in the morning and you say them or is it in challenging times? How do you use them? Based upon your goals. So when you have some goals or some things that you want to do, say you're going to you want to open a business. So I would say you set some affirmations specifically for that goal. Not just that, but also for your personal life, for your personal well-being, for your health. Because I oftentimes tell people our body is the vehicle that carries us to our dreams. If our bodies are no good, you know, and if our mindset is no good, then we can't reach those goals and dreams. So we have affirmations even to that. I have soundness of mind. 
These are just things that you just kind of wake up and say. Um, there's just some basic things and then specific things when you have goals or challenges. What are those? I have the finances that I need to launch this business. I have the mentor or the coach in my life to go to the next level. Even if you don't know who that is, they will manifest as you continue to say that you'll end up finding yourself in those spaces on a Zoom call, you know, perhaps, or somebody makes a phone call to you or sends a text message. You see something on Facebook. Oh, there's that person. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so that happens just like that. So that's why I believe that um, affirmations can be used in your personal everyday life and then also for specific tasks or goals, because those are those are oriented towards what you want to see manifest at that time. Is there one final thing that we can give women to walk away with today that they can implement in their life to move forward and pursue their dreams and courage? Absolutely. So it's actually a four step process that I like to utilize with all of my clients. People have heard it over and over and over again. But it's this. The first thing we mentioned it early. Write the vision. What do you want to see happen? I tell people it's hard to hit a moving target or a non-existent target. If you don't know where you're going, then that's where the challenge lies. You know, it's, it's almost like we allow life to just do us instead of us doing life. So whatever it is that you want to see, let's write it first. Even if it's on a cue card, people say, oh, you need to just do this big old vision board, the, the trifold. It doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that complicated. And ladies, that's what I need you to understand. Don't make it so complicated that you trip up in the process. So a cue card is just fine. It can be one or two things because of what I really want to suggest is that you don't try to eat the whole elephant. You want to take a little bite at a time so that you're not in a place of overwhelm. So if you take one goal, one thing you want to see happen. The second thing is this. You have to have a burning desire. Is this the thing that you really want to see manifest in your life? Burning desire is that thing that's going to kick you into a place of saying, I got to have it. I got to have it. It's got to manifest. It's got to be in my life. And then the third thing, again, we talked about it earlier. You got to get boots on the ground. That's the action. The action has to take place. And when your action takes place, that's when you'll start seeing some things manifest. And with that action, of course, we know we always have a plan. We have a strategy. It doesn't have to be that you know all of the steps. Let me just give you a small example. If I decided that I want to write a book, that's my goal. I'm excited about the information that I want to relate to the people. So the next strategy or the plan is going to be I'm going to start writing. Mm, Start writing down the ideas, create a thesis statement, create an outline. If you don't know what all that is, just write down your thoughts, begin to write them down, begin to search out some people that can edit it for you, begin to search out some people that you can bounce that idea off them, you know, try to help you along the process. And then you begin the whole process of putting it into the hands of the world. So, again, write your vision, have a burning desire have a strategy or a plan for it, and then boots on the ground. And I do want people to remember this. We're talking about fear, but we're talking about using that thing called courage. What we have to understand is this. When we get boots on the ground, the terrain will shift. It will change. Mm. The might come. Rain might come. Quicksand might come. And mountains definitely will come. But what we understand is this, because we know that we're built for this, because we know that we are called to do this. We continue to push through that thing. We continue to press through. And if you have to go over the mountain or through the mountain, 
You have enough wherewithal, that burning desire to push through that thing. So I want you to understand everything is possible. I want you to understand the greatness on the inside of you is something you need to manifest to the world. Somebody is waiting on you to walk in all your brilliance. Somebody is waiting on you to be courageous enough to say, here I am. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm here. Ready. I'm here to serve. I'm here to impact. I'm here to make my mark so that when we leave here, we don't leave with all these coulda, woulda, shouldas. Yeah, we don't leave with all those things. I don't know about you, but I had those for quite a while. And now I'm in a place where I said, "Mm -mm, no holes bar. I'm living life full out. I might fall. I might stumble. I might even break some things, but I know I can heal. And get back up and go again at it. So I'm just really excited about talking to you all about courage, talking to you about walking out of that space called fear and just being the courageous souls that I believe each and every one of us has been called to be. No, I love that. And, you know, one final thing I wanted to say that women, if you're listening to this conversation, one, you know, Lisa B does work with people to help them develop that courage to pursue their dreams. But she also has a book called The Courage to Pursue. And if something touched you today and you're like, I just need a little bit additional help. I need that extra push. I know I have this greatness inside of me, but I'm still there. I hear what she's saying, but I, I just need a little bit of support. Don't feel hesitant to reach out and get help because as we you know start this new year of 2021 you deserve to bring your gift to the world and somebody as lisa b said is waiting on your light to shine somebody is waiting on you to do what you were called to do so that they can be blessed That's going to do it for another episode of The Joy Sutton Show. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. I would love to hear from you. And as always, remember, this is your time to shine.